Interesting. This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I'm an attorney who has retired from the active practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to talk about the claims made commercial liability insurance policy. The insurance industry spent 10 years trying to restrict their liability for long tail losses. That is, because the basic commercial general liability policy was based upon the word occurrence, that is, it would provide liability protection for an insured as long as the claim, the injury, happened during the effective date of the policy, even if, and this became clear in asbestosis cases, that the injury may have occurred 40 years before the claim was actually made. And therefore, the insurance policy had a very long tail. And even though 40 years had gone by, it found it was obligated to defend an insured who claimed to have caused a injury 40 years before by giving asbestosis to a uh, employee or a visitor. The insurance industry, trying to avoid this problem, tried wording that would prohibit stacking as well as wording that would only allow coverage for losses first discovered during the policy period. The, uh, quote, claims made, close quote, wording, which would only allow coverage to be triggered upon the making of a claim and limited occurrence coverages were also attempted. Ultimately, the decision was made by the Insurance Services Office, the ISO, and its supporters to use a claims-made approach, providing coverage only if the loss occurs and the claim is made to the insurer during the policy period. This wording eliminated long-tail claims. Although effective, the claims made CGL turned out to be almost impossible to sell to the public. People in the construction industry would be exposed and probably uninsured for all but the most blatant defects, especially with long statutes of limitation or statutes of repose. A key purpose of the claims made policy is to prevent limits or policies from being stacked, as well as to eliminate uncertainty regarding the policy that will apply to a given matter. If an insurer, for example, had insured a particular risk for multiple years, say 10 years, each with a million-dollar policy limit, the courts could stack those 10 policy limits and make the insurer pay as much as $10 million to resolve claims. This was just not contemplated when the policies were originally issued. By creating a claims-made policy, the 
anti-stacking and long tail problems were avoided by concentrating on the time that a claim is received instead of struggling with the problem of determining the date of the occurrence. The date of occurrence is usually set at the date when the injured party was actually injured. Some courts have modified this simple rule to provide coverage where none was attended. The claims made form avoids such social engineering. For example, in asbestosis cases, a person breathing in one thread of asbestos is injured, but the actual injury, the actual illness, may not occur until 40 years after the asbestos was ingested. And so you have this occurrence happening 40 years before in the lawsuit because the actual claim comes 40 years later when asbestosis takes over. The insurance industry was just not ready for such a problem. For example, in a construction case, had a claims-made policy, there would be no coverage available for a claim of defective construction filed nine years and 11 months after substantial completion of the structure, or where the builder tried to fix the problem two years before only to have the roof leak again because the claim was made before the inception of the policy. Pressures from several groups resulted in an alternative occurrence wording. In some claims made forms, both the injury-causing event and the claim must be made during the policy period. In others, the claim must be made during the policy period and the loss-causing event can occur at any time. Reinsurers, those who insure insurers, insisted that the forms include a retroactive date provision, an unlimited extended reporting period, or ERP, was made subject to a mandatory offer and at a premium no greater than 200% of the expiring policy's annual premium. This modification allowed the insured for an additional premium to report a claim after the termination of the policy period for some definite period of time, so the insurer at least knew when its obligation would end. The ERP form did not totally eliminate the long tail as the insurers desired, but did effectively shorten it. The premium could be adjusted based on certain factors and on the judgment of individual underwriters. Although the claims-made policy solved the insurer's concerns about the long tail, it proved to be a marketing failure. The media, the regulators, various segments of the insurance industry and the public were all concerned because the claims-made form greatly reduced the coverages available to the insurance consumer. Furthermore, it left them without insurance for the long tail and allowed insurers the opportunity to profit from the sale of insurance. As a result, the claims-made form was not used as much as the insurance industry desired 
or expected. The insurance brokers found they could not sell the policy to insureds when an an occurrence policy was still available from some other insurer. The lower premiums promised by the claims made form did not outweigh the extra coverage provided by the occurrence form. The occurrence form's aggregate limit and restricted coverage provisions eased the problem that insurers had faced with the older CGL forms. In a case entitled Medical Interinsurance Exchange of New Jersey versus Healthcare Insurance Exchange, a 1995 decision of the New Jersey Superior Court, the appellate division concluded that rather than the occurrence of a loss in the occurrence-type CGL, the event that brings coverage into play on a claims-made form is the notice of a claim made to the insured. The court stated, quote, the event that invokes coverage under a claims-made policy is transmittal of notice of the claim to the insurance carrier. In exchange for limiting coverage only to claims made during the policy period, the carrier provides the insured with retroactive coverage for errors and omissions that took place prior to the policy period. Close quote. Confusion. Confusion often arises when a claim is made in one policy period and a suit is filed and served a year or more later during the coverage of another insurer. Sometimes claims are made, withdrawn, and then made again at a later time. If an occurrence form of CGL is available in the market, it is always preferable to a claims-made form for the insured of any CGL. Any person who could face claims of construction defect like property owners, construction consultants, general contractors, subcontractors, architects, engineers, and developers of improvements to real property should, if possible, choose an occurrence form of CGL. If an occurrence form of CGL is not available, then a claims-made form with an ERP equal to the longest statute of limitation or statute of uh, repose should be selected. Many claims-made policies further limit coverage to claims that are both received by the insured and reported to the carrier or the agent during the policy period. If applicable, the reports may be made during the ERP. This reporting requirement has caused much controversy in the courts. Most courts that have affirmed the additional limitation to coverage have done so, quote, because the reporting requirement helps to define the scope of coverage under a claims-made policy excusing a delay in notice beyond the policy period will alter a basic term of the insurance contract. This is stated in Esmalazeda versus Johnson and Speckman, an Eighth Circuit decision of 1989, and various other decisions. 
Contrary to the holdings concerning the notice condition of a standard liability policy, courts have held that the reporting requirement of the claims made form goes to the very description of the risk undertaken by the insurer. The notice provision in a claims made policy provides a certain date after which an insurer knows that it is no longer liable under the policy and accordingly allows the insurer to more accurately fix its reserves for future liabilities and compute premiums with greater certainty. Several courts have refused to accept this distinction between notice provisions generally and the reporting requirement in claims made policies specifically. Consistent with the rule in most jurisdictions, therefore, these courts have held that coverage will be permitted unless the insured's ultimate untimely notice has caused actual prejudice to a claims-made insurer. Actual prejudice is sufficient prejudice that the outcome of the suit or the amount of indemnity would be different had the claim been reported promptly. Consider St. Paul Fire and Marine v. House, a Maryland 1989 decision, Sparks v. St. Paul, Paul, a 1985 New Jersey decision, and Sherlock v. Perry, a uh, 1985 decision of the Eastern District of Michigan. It, It appears from my analysis that the Notice prejudice rule in most jurisdictions does not apply to a claims-made policy, Uh, although there are still a few courts that may try to apply it. The notice prejudice rule does apply to any occurrence CGL policy. This video was adapted from my book, Construction Defects and Insurance, Volume 3, which is available from Amazon.com as a Kindle book and as a paperback, and can also be found with a more detailed description at my website, Zalma.com, by clicking on the link to the Insurance Claims Library. If you found this video to be useful or interesting to you and your profession, please refer it to your colleagues and please subscribe to my blog so that you can be informed of all future videos, which I'm trying to do daily, Uh, and my blog posts, which summarize insurance law decisions made in U.S. courts. Thank you again for your attention.